Father, thank you for the the privilege of um, our being together, the privilege, Father, of considering your things. Lord, will you grant that we shall perceive you with the inward eye this afternoon and seeing you, Lord, be fed. We bless your name. Amen. Amen. Um, can we read in the first verse of the book of Acts? It's nice to be with you guys. Um, I need these. Here we go. Uh, our book is the second in a couple, isn't it? Um, so, Dr. Luke. Can I remove that? Do you mind? Thank you. So our author is Luke the physician. Paul calls him Luke the beloved physician, Galatians. And he wrote the gospel to the same bloke, Theophilus. And so we'll just have a look quickly at what he says in Acts. And then we'll go back to what he says in Luke. The former treatise... I have made, O Theophilus, I'll say that again, the former treaties I have made over O philosopher Theophilus of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen to whom he also showed himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen of them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Can we just go to the first verses of Luke? Because he refers to this earlier work. And we reckon that they were originally written as a pair and separated um, soon after they were written. Not a problem. Probably written about the year, somewhere between, the, they can't be more certain than between the year 69 and 96. But there are some attractive arguments for making it about 69. Um, there's no mention of the fall of Jerusalem, 70. We don't have to worry ourselves very much about that. But this was the first um, book that he wrote. And here's to whom and for why. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration concerning those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also. Now this is Luke the scientist, Luke the physician, who had done some careful research. His 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 um research and his, his he, he reckoned his historical approach uh, was accurate it was good he'd been thorough we get this here it seemed good to me also having had a perfect understanding of all things from the very beginning for that word perfect you could read accurate having had an accurate understanding of everything from the beginning it seemed good to me as well to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know or fully know the certainty concerning those things wherein thou hast been instructed. So, he wrote the Gospel of Luke to firm up and clarify 
the beginnings of Christianity, the beginnings of the faith for Theophilus. He had a bit of an introduction, but it was a bit shaky. Luke wanted to make it clear. And now he refers to that as the things that Jesus began to say and to do. For you and me, I think the inference is that the act of the apostles we could think of as what he continued to say and to do. Um, And there are lots of folks that like to call the book of Acts the Acts of the Holy Ghost. And yeah, I'm up for that, but also the Acts of the Lord Jesus as um, moved, as imparted by the Holy Ghost. Christianity is Christ. And the Holy Ghost has come not to make a name for himself, but Jesus said, he shall take of my things and show them unto you. He's come to glorify me. So it's, I'm happy enough if you want to say the acts of the Holy Ghost, but I'm happier still to say, well, actually, these are the acts of the Lord Jesus, what he continued to say, what he continued to do, as he continues to act in our day, as he continues to do in our day. Um, Now, this is very hard. Spectacles. Okay. He classifies very carefully where the gospel got up to. Have a look in Luke 24 and we come to the end. It's exactly right. Until he was received up into heaven. So if you go to chapter 24, we'll just read a few verses here in Luke. So because um, in Acts, this is taken as the starting point. Luke 24 44, and we have in this account, in Luke, we have Jesus in Jerusalem after the resurrection talking to the apostles. And he says, verse 44, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Hey, guys, if you hadn't noticed, the whole Bible is about Jesus. There is only one message. God has in these last days spoken unto us in his Son, says the Hebrew writer. And all the Old Testament, all the dealings with Israel, they are all pointing forward to the Lord Jesus. And there are people who make it, made a career out of expounding the references to Jesus in the law and the prophets and the sacrifices and the priestly setup. And he, Jesus said, guys, it's all about me. Uh, so there's a pointer for what we should make our lives about. Do you not think? Here you go. And he opened their understanding, verse 45, that they might understand the scripture. Do you remember that we had this a few weeks ago? We, in the resurrection, in that first week, he came among the disciples and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Ghost. Do you remember that phrase? And there's some conjecture as to what actually happened. Was it just, oh, that's what's going to happen down the line? Or did something actually occur? And I offered you the consideration that we might like to think that this was what actually occurred. That as Jesus breathed on the apostles and said, receive the Holy Ghost, their understanding was open so they could see in the scripture those things which they had never seen before. Their ears, although their hearts were open, their ears were plugged, their eyes were closed. Jesus said the plainest of things to them and and those gospels record and they didn't understand what he said. He said, I'm going to die, and on the third day be raised again. And they didn't understand what he meant. And he opened their eyes. That's in passing, just because it's there. Moving on. (laughs) Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise the third day. Now listen. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. What was it that Jesus said was going to be preached? Easy. Repentance and remission of sins. That's it. That's the gospel. 
No, it's not. <laughs> Repentance and remission of sins. Hang on a minute. Uh, were there not some Old Testament people who were com- commanded to repent? Were not their sins remitted as they brought their sacrifices year after year? Were there not such people? Was not that the Jews? They were told to repent. They were told to turn away from this. They were told to lay their hands on the scapegoat, the high priest doing it in their name, and send them out. And they took the blood of the other goat into the holy place. There was forgiveness. There was remission of sins. Hmm. Guys, just to observe, and we're going to come on to this later, that repentance and the remission of sins was what to be de- was to be declared, but that was only the beginning. Repentance and remission of sins was the path by which entrance into the kingdom of God was to be accomplished. Ah, and we're going to spend a little time on that today. That repentance and remission of sins was the means by which a man or a woman could be born into the kingdom. Uh, yeah, that's right. And we'll find exactly that. I'll tell you what it says now. In chapter 2 of Acts, verse 38, the men were pricked in their hearts and they said they said to the apostles as they spoke on the day of pentecost giving some answer for what was going on it it seemed like mayhem every man was hearing um there was tongues of fire every man here heard the gospel in their own in their own voice there was a mighty rushing wind you know the story peter was giving an explanation they were pricked in their hearts and they said how shall we do do you remember what peter said repent and be baptized for the remission of sins was that it oh no oh no (laughs) repent and be baptized for the remission of sins that's the preparatory work guide don't get stuck on the preparation don't repent and be baptized for the remission of sins thank you lord for forgiveness and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost ah you mean you want to we understand now you are inaugurating a completely other race of humanity yeah okay so um, here we go you're witnesses of these things verse 49 and behold ah here it is I send the promise of my father upon you but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high and he led them out as far as to Bethany so just a mile or two outside Jerusalem and he led them out to there and he lifted up his hands and blessed them and it came to pass while he blessed them he was parted from them and carried up into heaven and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy now uh, only days ago they had forsaken him in sorrow and should we say desperation we don't know but (laughs) but on seeing him received into heaven joy filled their hearts Um, The things that they had feared, they feared, has it all come to nothing? Has it all failed? And as they saw him um, being received into heaven, they worshipped him and joy filled their hearts. And they returned to Jerusalem and they, they they didn't leave the temple. They just kept telling everyone the kingdom of God is coming. Well, just read that. What? They worshipped him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. They were all Jews. So he had this group of Jews um, alight. Nearly alight. They were going to catch fire in a few days. Okay. You know, we talk an awful lot 
we use the phrase an awful lot, the kingdom of God. Um, I thought it would be helpful if we could just consider what perhaps we should understand by the use of that phrase. All right, have you got two minutes? Uh, here we go. First of all, um, we have the Song of Moses. The, the Jews, let's just read it, not all of it. Exodus chapter 15. We have Moses' song as the horse and the rider were thrown into the sea. And this phrase, we catch them. And so to the Jews, the eternal God is the eternal king, the ruler of the universe, king over everything. Chapter 15, verse 18, we'll just cut straight in. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. And to this day, the Jews say, talk about him as master of the universe. So the concept of the eternal God, the creator, being king and reigning in charge, that was familiar to them. Psalm 103 will go quickly um, just to reiterate that and we have just the verse 103 and verse 19 we have the same idea the Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens and his kingdom ruleth over all now I want to ask you to look in Psalm 45 as well, because we have some description of the nature of his rule. Um, I don't know, we, we're kind of forced to think a little bit about the political situation on the planet. Um, and it seems to me that there is an essential instinct in men and women to desire righteous rule. In democracy, they kind of recognize that, I would suggest, and the politicians um, are always trying to tell us how correct they are and righteous they are, and they'll, they'll put the right spin on it so we know that they're good people doing right things, and we'll vote for them. And some of us may be not entirely convinced all the time that they're telling us the whole truth. Um, so in the West, though, with, with that, uh, that appetite is kind of recognised. But you know very well that at the moment there are forces at play that don't even bother to try and look good. They say, mate, I'm going to do the wicked thing and I don't care what you think. Um, can I suggest to you that there is in our heart a basic aspiration for that which is just and righteous mm. and we respect that which is just and we respect that which is righteous and so the father the lord jesus taught us to pray our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come that enough of all this product of sinful humanity it's all temporary it's all passing away your kingdom come let's just have a quick description of the nature of his rule, as if we needed to. But it's lovely to have it lodged in our heart. Let me see if I, just for time's sake, we won't read the whole psalm, but you could. Verse, psalm 45 is really lovely. Verse 6, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. Nobody's ever going to depose him. There was one that tried to depose him. I will be like the Most High. I will exalt my throne above the throne of God. And he was thrown out of heaven. He was the inventor of sin. We learn from the Lord Jesus' lips that he is a liar and a murderer from the beginning. He inveigled Adam and Eve into sin. Thank you. He inveigled Adam and Eve into sin, and in so inveigling them, they died. And that's the problem. That's why it's not just, the Christian gospel is not just about repentance and remission of sins. There needs to be an infusion of life. We're all dead. We need to be made alive. That is the point. And we'll come to this in a second. Um, <clears throat> so here we are. Thy throne, O God, verse 6, Psalm 45, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom 
is a right scepter. Um, no one's ever going to have a complaint against the rule of God. No righteous person can ever complain against his rule. It's a right scepter. Shall not the judge of all the earth do justly? You understand that? Hmm. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. All right. Uh, Therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee, now he's talking to the Lord Jesus, with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Um, In the days of... But the monarchy didn't last long. The monarchy was a representation. The the king of Israel, the kings of Israel, were supposed to be regents representing the rule of God. Now look, we are a religious sort of uh, breed, a religious species. The natural man, full of religious impetus and tendencies. And one of the religious things we've done is, in the country that I come from, we have a monarch. That's a, and the, the pattern is a wee bit like that. And Her Majesty, the Queen of Australia, is the head of the English church. And she's there to rule the people for the eternal God. So in a sense, there's a, a, a dim reflection of that concept. And I must say that I feel very thankful that there's been a person that for 70 years has not engaged in politics, but has to, uh, as far as we can see, to the best of her light, served God in ruling people. I think that when she goes, um, the world, not just the Brits and the Aussies and the persons who are her subjects, I think the world will begin to think about the good that she's done in being stable and righteous and standing for good when everything was dissolving in the world around her. But that's another discussion. You don't have to be a monarchist to belong to the Lord Jesus. Well, actually, you do. He's the king. You've got to be a kingdom of God monarchist. Hmm. <laughs> uh, so you have. But you don't have to be a political monarchist on this earth. It's all right. Um, let's change the subject. Uh, so the, po- no, the point is that the monarchy was taken away. It was dissolved. Uh, Israel as an independent nation ceased to exist. How could they talk about the kingdom of God? God's reign on earth through the nation of Israel. How could they talk about that? They ceased to exist as a nation. And the, shift, the, the idea shifted, and we find it in Daniel, to a coming time where the, the rule of God, his kingdom, would be manifested on earth in its fullness directly by his appointed king, Messiah, Christ. And he said, when he came and began to minister, the kingdom of God is near you. It's gone nigh. He began. The beginning of that era was beginning as Jesus began to talk about it. So why are we talking about this? Well, because it's in our verse. We've just got a few verses today to look at. And one of the things is that he talked to the disciples about the things concerning the kingdom of God. And we might as well understand a little bit about the implications of that. So let's just look very quickly in Daniel, um, chapter 4, chapter 2. Um, just a verse there and you'll recognize these verses just to emphasize this here's a prophecy of Daniel we're going to cut straight in this is remember Daniel was in exile the Israel as an independent nation had ceased to exist in that sense and he's now talking about a future time when the kingdom of God will be manifested manifested in its fullness with a divinely given king, one that came from above, not from beneath. Verse 44, and in the days and in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. Ah, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever ah all right 
We'll move on to chapter 7 of Daniel. Very quickly, verse 13 and 14. So, are you getting the picture? This is the kingdom that Jesus began to talk to them about. Had been talking to them about. 13, 7. I saw in the night visions, behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven. Well, that was odd. One like the Son of Man coming out of heaven? Yes. Very odd. Um... The incarnation, the most extraordinary event in the history of the universe, um, that God should be contracted to a span, incomprehensibly made man, one like the Son of Man coming out of heaven? Yeah. came with the clouds of heaven and came to the ancients of days and they brought him near before him and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people nations and languages should serve him does this sound like Philippians chapter 3 that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus the King is Lord Lord let your kingdom come let it appear let it be manifested at the moment we are in a partial manifestation his kingdom is manifested where there are men and women who will uh, recognize it and let their actions and their thoughts be bound by him be ruled by him there's going to come a day when it won't be limited to individual faith it won't be limited to individual revelation and individual obedience there's going to come a day when his rule will be recognized from the east to the west Uh, every knee shall bow every tongue will confess you and I have the privilege now of bowing our knee to him and confessing his name today and living a life that is wholesome, that is going somewhere, that is ordained of God as what he wants. Hmm. But there's going to come a day where it will go beyond the people that name his name now. And a kingdom that all, to, give him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed we're going to be saved from the poor apologies that we see for human government so don't get too upset about it it's always going to be human it's always going to be flawed if you get the chance yes try and have a better government but end of the day they're all rubbish they're all passing away no they're not all rubbish at the end of the day they're all passing away at the end of the day they are not the thing that's eternal at the end of the day we are simply we are actually waiting for the appearance of the right scepter of the one who loves righteousness and judges righteous judgment so we don't have to be um, concerned yes we weep with those who weep but don't be disturbed by the political machinations that we see on the earth uh, we kind of expect it there's going to be the uprising of evil in different ways and even when it's not looking like evil uprising there's be evil somewhere there in the roots but there's coming a day where only that which is good will remain and rain so comfort your hearts Uh, be encouraged keep worshipping the one who is worthy of worship keep obeying him let his rule appear in the bit of earth that you have responsibility for well I'm going to live like that because Jesus is king and he says I'm going to live like that Lord I worship you and you can go about your work with great joy Mm. so guys that was um, a little bit of a commentary on this concept of the kingdom can we just look in Mark's gospel chapter 1 because when Jesus came um, he said I'm here now guys chapter 1 
verses 14. Now, after that John was put in prison, Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, Jesus came into Galilee preaching what? The Gospel of the Kingdom of God. The good news that God's reign is appearing. Alright? He, it was being inaugurated. The King had appeared on earth. This was the good news. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God hath drawn near. <laughs> all the rubbish, all the in that there was there was no escape in those days before Pentecost, there was no escape from the rule of others. The good news, the kingdom of God has drawn near. As Jesus began his ministry, he was inaugurating the age of liberty. Soon it was to break forth in full power so that men and women should escape the bondage, spiritual and uh, temporal, and become citizens of the King of Kings. They might cut them in half. They might saw them. They might put them. In the, they might saw them in two. They might put them in the Colosseum to be torn apart by lions. But they were free under the sovereignty of the King of Kings, and they went to their deaths full of joy. You know the stories about the early Christians singing as they went to be torn apart by the beasts. You knew this. Yeah. So the object is not um, the object is not preservation of a rose garden for you and me. Yeah, the object is the trial of our faith. So that the Father demonstrates to men and women, to principalities and powers, there are men and women on the earth who worship me. The Father seeketh such to worship him. And our faith will be tried. Okay, you said that. Do you mean it? So the object is not a soft life. The object is not a rose garden with no opposition. The object is the trial of your faith, which is more precious than gold. Uh, so just therefore, let's move on in Mark very briefly to chapter 9 and verse 1. And would so our final reference, nearly final, perhaps not. Here we are, the Lord talking to the people again. I say to you that there be some that stand here which shall not taste death till they have seen the kingdom of God come in power and I'm going to suggest to you that that coming in power was the day of Pentecost that all the Lord had procured and purchased and made possible was inaugurated in power then and the kingdom came into men and women's hearts so that men and women came into the kingdom hmm. the fruit of repentance and remission of sins was to be plucked the result thank you that would be helpful sorry I got it thank you bro um, okay so look oh no I really how are we doing for time we're fine aren't we I got no idea what I started or when I should finish so we'll just carry on until somebody pulls the plug out of the microphone ah okay uh, um Okay, Acts 28, 31. Um, we find that that's exactly the content of the gospel as preached by Paul the Apostle. Can we just go quickly to the end of Acts? Now, you may think, how is it that a religion, the world, sees Christianity as a religion of Europe? 
know, I mean, I'm not suggesting to you that you and I should think about Christianity as a religion. Christianity is Christ. But the world thinks of Christianity as a religion of Europe, a European religion, of the West. By, from Europe, it went to America. Anyway, let's not talk about what happened there. Um, <laughs> but why is it? It was an Asian, geographically, its beginning was in Asia, in the Middle East. How is it that we don't associate particularly in our, we don't particularly associate Christianity as a religion of the Asian continent? We think of it as European. How is that? And the suggestion is that, and you might, you and I might think, well, at least part of the answer is that the chief missionary and herald of the gospel in the first three decades was a Roman citizen. And we actually have a record here of how the gospel got in Paul's uh, time from Jerusalem to Rome, a world empire. Very wicked, very brutal. They'd slaughter you at the drop of a hat. Um, Remember Abraham was told that in you all nations of the earth shall be blessed? It's really true. Us, our, the entire global consciousness and global psyche has undergone progressive transformation. I'm not talking about just Christians, but what's expected, the, the rise of humane treatment since those days because of the gospel. There's another topic, the effect of the existence of the gospel on the um, human psyche. We're much more humane now than we were in the days when Jesus was on the earth. Another question. Um, So here's Paul in Rome, is my point. That was a long way of saying here's Paul in Rome at the end of Acts. What was he talking about? And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came into him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching. That's what he was preaching. He was preaching the kingdom of God. That God is to be, uh, God is to rule over you. You are to allow him to rule over you. You are to willingly subject yourself to him. Become his subject, his slave. Paul repeatedly calls himself a slave. Oh no, I want to be free. Don't. You won't be. You will imagine you're free. You will be enslaved to Lucifer in one guise or another. Be enslaved to the king. Be his subject. Don't. The the other thing is an illusion. Um, I'll do what I want. That's not being free. That's being in bondage to sin. I'll do as he he commands. That's being free. Jesus said repeatedly, it's it's the explanation to the entire history of Jesus' life on earth, I do always the things that please the Father. Anyway, so that's what Paul was talking about, this kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord, Jesus, the King, with all confidence, no man forbidding him. Um, <clears throat> can I just ask you to look in Acts 10, 42, and there's... I think we might go back to Luke in a minute. In Acts 10, we have Paul talking to Cornelius. You remember, not Paul, Peter. Peter in the house of Cornelius. And you remember the circumstances under which um, Peter was brought to Cornelius, somewhat against his will. Yeah? Cornelius, the Gentile. And he opened his mouth. Peter, let's just go down to verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost, sorry, we're in the wrong verse, verse 42. Peter is talking to Cornelius and and his assembled household. Jesus commanded us to preach to the people and to testify. All right, what was he to preach to the people? What was he to testify? That he was, that it is he, that it is he which was ordained by God 
to be judge. Isn't that interesting? So we read that he gave them instructions about the kingdom of God. And Peter here is reporting to the Gentile house of Cornelius that the message that they've got to give is not just about his life, his crucifixion, his resurrection. It's not just about repentance and remission of sins. Peter says that he commanded us to report to you guys that he is appointed to be judge of the living and the dead. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? It's really good for us not to get too narrow a view of what we imagine the gospel is. It's the kingdom of God. Yes, repentance. Yes, remission of sins. Yes, be baptized. In order that you might be uh, impelled into the kingdom of God. In order that he might judge you and rule over you. He's appointed to be judge of the living and the dead. He commanded us to tell you this. So you may be thinking, well, what instructions did he give them concerning the kingdom of God? There are a few, a few clues, aren't there? And that's one of the clues. So, when you talk... When we talk to our loved ones about the things of the kingdom of God, let's not include the whole, let's not forget to include the whole gambit. Yes, forgiveness. Yes, remission of sins. So that you may be impelled into the kingdom of God. He is, come to, he is coming to judge the living and the dead. Jesus commanded us to say these things to you. Well, if he commanded Peter to say these things, then I think the command probably is relevant to us too. Um, I think it relates to the nature of the kingdom. Uh, Guys, it's not that we are to uh, be condemnatory and make people feel uncomfortable and I am better than you. Not a word of it. Just to share the fact. We're going to be judged, guys. He is appointed. That's a a matter of great joy. The righteous judge who understands our hearts. Let's get ready. Mm. So that when we go to... Yeah. We'll just go quickly to Luke 24, where we were already. And because we have from the Lord's lips the things that he, they were to talk about. Verse 45, Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, in verse 45, we have from the lips of the Lord Jesus, then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the Scriptures, and said to them, Thus it is written, Thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the third day, to, and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance... And remission of sins shall be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. So, life, his death, his resurrection. And we can add to that now that he's coming to judge. So when we read uh, that he gave them instructions about the kingdom of God, we've just done a little survey of some of the issues surrounding that concept. Can we go to Acts chapter 1 and finish off? So we'll just go back to our few verses at the beginning of the, of the book. That was a, a meditation on... Um, he was speaking to them of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together, he commanded them not to depart. Wait for the promise of the Father which you have heard of me. John truly baptised with water, but ye shall be baptised with the Holy Ghost. We can be um, quite quick here. Uh, This promise of the Father, which you have heard of me. Point one. Jesus was surprised that Nicodemus, Nicodemus, a leader among the Jews, a teacher, a man who was sincere, who came to him at night in chapter 3 of John's Gospel, he was surprised that Nicodemus had no clue 
what he was talking about. Art thou a teacher in Israel and you don't understand these things? Do you remember that phrase? Because the evidence was in the Old Testament scriptures for the things that Jesus was talking about. He had said to him, Nicodemus, except a man be born of water, got that, John the Baptist, the baptism of repentance, the water representing the cleansing of sacrificed blood, except a man be born of water, Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you're a Pharisee, go and get baptized. That's, that's only the beginning. Except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, mate, I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, are you a teacher in Israel? You don't know these things? It's already been written there. Very quickly, Jeremiah 31. Ah, no, we could read it in Hebrews. The Hebrew writer quotes this. uh, But we'll we'll read it from Jeremiah. And I'm going to say this for completeness. I know it's been said before. Jeremiah 31. 31, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband to them, saith the Lord. And that's an amazing thing. Although the Lord had been a husband to them, he'd cared for them. Um, he'd fed them, he'd provided for them, he'd led them. They said, yes, we'll do all that you say. And what does that tell you about the human heart? (laughs) That it's a problem. Who was the wag that said, the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. Yes, we're going to do all that you say, God. And they could see his provision. They could see how he loved them. They could see how he had in power cared for them. And yet, they broke the covenant. I'm going to make a new one. But what does that tell you about our heart? It means, it tells me, it it should tell us that we need salvation. In fact, Paul says that. He says, the reason the law came was to demonstrate the sinfulness of sin. It was to show us what our hearts were made of. That with the best will in the world, we can't say, yes, God, I bow the knee, reign in me. We can't. We break. We go off. We resist. We say, it's my life. I'm a rebel. I thought of that hymn. He maketh the rebel a priest and a king. He has bought us and taught us a new song to sing. Um, That's our testimony, isn't it? He takes the rebel, that thing that could not and would not submit to God. He saves us. How? He gives us a new heart, a new spirit. Sure forgiveness, sure baptism because of repentance unto a new creation. Jesus said, don't wait. The Father's promised it. Really? You promised this, Father? Yeah, he promised it here. I'm going to make a new covenant, verse 32 of chapter 31. But this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel, 33. After those days, saith the Lord, I'll put my law in their inward parts and write it in their heart. What's written there at the moment? Uh, Rebellion against God, self-love. I'm going to have my way. Don't you touch my life, God. We're God murderers by our first birth. I'm going to put my law in their heart. I'm going to change them. A new covenant. The promise of the Father. Guys, this is beyond forgiveness. Forgiveness is a means, a preparation to being impelled into the kingdom. Please, beloved ones, don't stop at the preparatory. Don't forget, the Jews had repentance and remission of sin. Repentance and remission of sins are to conduct us into the kingdom. Make sure. And you can say, if it's, your, if it's the case, say, Father, I don't know anything about this. My heart is just the same as it's always been. You can talk to him. Say, Father, please, will you make me understand these things and make them my practical reality? That's called being real. It's called being honest. Um, and the Lord responds to that which is real and honest. Amen. Amen.
let's read on about this covenant. This promise of the Father. So that's why Jesus was so surprised that Nicodemus didn't understand. I'll write it. I'll put it in my law in their inward parts. Write it in their hearts. I'll be their God. And they shall be my people. They'll teach no more every man saying to his neighbour, Know the Lord. They'll all know me. From the least to the greatest. So beware of gurus, guys. Gurus, steer clear of them. Well, actually, guys, you don't really know very much. But I'll know and I'll talk to you about God. Run a mile. Run! Uh, it's not the gospel. They shall each know me from the least to the greatest. And if somebody's going to be your friend, the only way they can be your friend is to encourage you to meet Jesus. Not to tell you what he's telling them, what he, not for them to tell you what Jesus is telling you to do. Run! Not, oh, this is how you've got to live your life, to please Jesus. Run! You need to find him. Uh, Ezekiel 36. Same idea, different words, um, but you'll recognize these words. And these are quoted in the Hebrew writer. So it's not just Collins making up the idea that, oh, this is relating to the gospel. No, no, the Hebrew writer said, this is the gospel. 36, verse 26. In these days, yes, from all your filthiness and from your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you. That's, is this the promise? <laughs> it sounds like the promise of the Father, doesn't it to you? This is the promise of the Father. A new heart also will I give you. And a new spirit. A new. Something you've never known before. A new spirit. One that actually says, yes, Lord. One that actually says, amen, Lord. In thee all. A new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of it. Don't touch my life. It's my heart. It's my life. I ain't going to run it. I ain't going to ruin it. Don't you touch me. I'll take that out of your heart. And make you someone who belongs to me. Who's soft in my hands. Someone who loves me. The Father seeketh such to worship him. People who worship him in spirit and in truth. It's, his father. it's the Father's object in making humanity. Have men and women who belong to him. Worship him in spirit and truth. I'm going to do it for you. Lord, I can't be like that. No. If you die, you can be. I'll give you a new life. Yeah. You need to be born from above. Like Jesus came from above. You need to come from above. Okay. I'll put my spirit in you. Cause you to walk, I'll cause you to walk in my statutes. You won't have to bleat about saying, oh, I'm only a sinner. I'm only a sinner. I'll never be able to do anything right because I'm just sinful humanity. No, I'll cause you to walk in my statutes. Hmm. So we have, what are, we going to, what are we going to do? Are we going to open our heart to his word and let his word judge us and be the standard? Or are we going to let our experience and what we have been told be the standard? Alright, so I'll just leave it alone. I'll, I'll be a religious person. I'll, I'll try and do good. When I do bad, I'll just ask for forgiveness. Don't stop short. Let the Lord impel you into his kingdom. New heart. And so, very quickly, I'm going to do a survey without turning to the pages of the times that Jesus said, you wait for the promise of the Father, which you have heard of me. So the first reference I would suggest is John's Gospel, chapter 3. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. Ah, Jesus was talking about this promise of the Father. Chapter 4, the woman at the well. Um, he that drinketh of this water shall thirst again. He that drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. You've heard this of me, he said. And the water that I shall give him shall become in him a spring of water, springing up unto eternal life. You've got the source of eternal life bubbling up in your inner man. Yes, you've got to make room for it. Yes, you and I have got to mortify our members that are on the earth and learn to obey the springing up water. But this is the promise that life in him will be in us. 
Chap- that's chapter three, chapter four. You've heard these things of me. Chapter six, you could drink my blood. Ah, Lord, are you promising me that I can I- receive you? That you will impart yourself to me? Yeah, drink my blood. The promise that you've heard of me. Chapter seven. Let him man thirst. Let him, remember the last day of the feast, let him come unto me and drink. And out of his belly, he that, he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And remember John's commentary, but this spake he of the Spirit, which was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. He said, you've heard me talking about these things. Chapter 14, the Comforter. Chapter 14, the Comforter. Chapter 16, the Comforter. Jesus kept on telling them. And when you get the hang of it, it seems as if it's the only thing he talks about. There's coming a day. The kingdom's coming. All this other stuff is preparatory. I'm going to make you alive in me. And he said, guys, stay here until you receive power from on high. In not many days hence, you'll be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to say one more thing. Yes, one more thing. Believe it. When the Father talked to John the Dipper, the one who dipped people in water, about the one whose way he was preparing, you've heard me say this before, the Father characterized his work not as lamb, that was... John the Baptist's word. How did the Father characterize his work? We're going to read it and then we're going to stop. Um, chapter 1 of John's Gospel, where we have been. Thirty-two, John bear record. I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him didn't just touch down and fly off it rested on him and I didn't know him but he that sent me to baptize with water the same said to me okay so John was commissioned and the eternal God who sent him to baptize with water he said I got a report to you this upon whom thou shalt see the spirit descending and remaining on him it wasn't the form of the dove it was the fact that it remained that was a significant thing the same is he which baptizes in the Holy Ghost. According to the Father, that is the characterization of Jesus' work. He made a salvation. He made a way in order that you and I could be impelled into his kingdom. In order that you and I should be baptized dipped in God. Because um, that's the start of the book of Acts. The last thing Jesus said to them, not many days hence, you'll be dipped in God. The thing that the Father promised will come to pass. How many centuries had they been waiting? And the promise now is not just to Jews, it's unto people who are becoming Jews spiritually. True circumcision is the circumcision of the heart, not outward. We're to be real Jews, according to the Spirit. Oh Lord, thank you for so great salvation, for coming to our fallen humanity, not just <laughs> to, uh, to salve it, not just to make us feel a bit better, but to change it through forgiving us, to give us a new life by baptism in the Spirit. Mm. Just wait, he said. Let's pray. Mm. Oh, Father, who is sufficient for these things? What hast thou done? Things that you promised from, from ancient times. Lord, thank you that we live in this age when you are fulfilling those promises. Mm. Lord, will you grant to each of us the simplicity to seek you with an open heart and to talk to you about your things. We thank you, Lord, that you hear us. We thank you, Father, that you know our hearts, you see our hearts, you understand us, and that you love us. 
Lord, we read that the smoking flax you won't quench. Lord, just a little bit of fire, just a little bit of the love of God we were able to work with and let the dross be dealt with and taken away. Oh, Father, will you draw our hearts to you this afternoon? Lord, and Lord, thank you that you hear us. Amen. Thank you that you hear us, Lord.